0: Well, today I want to talk about, really continue the narrative of today and talk about having faith to believe when the stakes are high. Do do you know what I'm saying? Someone in the first service says no. So then I thought, hmm. Um, (laughs) I mean, what it takes to hold fast and get through things in life when you're really facing an uphill battle. I mean, it's easy to believe in something when there's not a lot at stake, right? Uh, We're going to go to, uh, again, Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to look at the faith of Moses. So if you would uh, go there with me, Hebrews 11. We're going to look at verses 23 through 27. It was some years back that... uh, uh, the, the men of our church had a retreat at the Association Retreat Center in uh, Osceola, Wisconsin. Not too far from here, uh, does our association have this retreat? And we were at a men's retreat just over a weekend, and we had the opportunity to sign up for different activities. And one of them was to go zip lining. Now, if you've never zip lined or don't even know what I'm talking about, um, here's a picture of me uh, heading down uh, the the hill. Um, no, that's not me. Um, and I didn't look like that. I, my eyes closed the whole time. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because you get a group of guys together and, and you can sign up for different activities and the majority of them were like, yeah, I'm going zip lining and it's going to be great because we all believe that it'd be a piece of cake to do this zip lining. That is until you're standing on a 60 foot platform looking down and then looking at these two little ropes and you're wondering, I wonder who like, you know, fastened the carabiner to this rope. Because I hope they did a good job. Because if they didn't, I'm not going home tonight. All for a few minutes of thrill. (laughs) Right? We all believe we can do stuff until the stakes are high. Right? It's no big deal to say you believe in something... Uh, until there is actually risk involved. I remember the conversation I was having with myself. Do you talk to yourself? I, I talk to myself. If that's weird, I, I guess now you know. Um, I remember talking to myself saying, okay, make sure that you fasten your your line right to the right line and then make sure that the safety line is on before I did the big plunge. It's in Hebrews chapter 11 where we see the faith of Moses and uh, how God brought them through uh, the great risk that it was to not only save Moses, but uh, also to uh, leave Egypt and follow God's plan for his life. Uh, Beginning in verse 23, uh, the writer to the Hebrews reminds us that by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered the reproach of Christ. We're going to talk about what that means. For he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible by faith, right? Heavenly Father, as we unpack this in your word, we ask that in these moments that we share together... You would speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit, guide us through it all. We pray this in Your name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Thank you. You know, if you recall the story of Moses, uh, the, the story in, in which this baby w- was placed in a reed basket and set on the river Nile to hide him from the soldiers who were looking to kill all the male Hebrew children enslaved in Egypt. If you recall the, the story of Moses, uh, you, you would understand that the parents risked their lives to save his life. If you, if you recall the, the story of, of Moses, uh, you would understand that uh, even as he left Egypt and as it Reminds us in the book of Hebrews, he escaped the king, although some of that had to do with what Moses did, that was that he murdered someone and had to flee and escape the wrath of the king. But you would understand that he flees and escapes the wrath of that king by faith, not knowing where he's going, not understanding what was ahead, and leaving the great opulence and wealth of Egypt. Of course, this story would have been well known to its original audience as the writer of the letter to the Hebrews here in the New Testament wrote to encourage them as they were facing persecution and the challenges that they were facing for following Jesus. At the time of the writing, the risks were so high for some that many considered going back to the old ways of living. They were considering leaving their faith. Despite the great risk of their own demise, by faith, Moses' parents kept him. They saved him. It says because he was beautiful. The term here for beautiful means goodly or polished or genteel or eloquent. Some versions, I don't know what yours says, says he was no ordinary child, and and, and that's actually a good rendering, because many scholars think that there's a bit more to it than his looks. So let me just say this, it's as if to say God had a special plan for Moses, it's as if to say he was anointed, it's as if to say, and, and we understand this from different Hebrew writings... That there was a phrase, and it was a phrase that you might say upon a child, and I think in one sense we still say it today. He was beautiful in the sight of God. He he was beautiful in the sight of God. You know, every parent believes their kid is the cutest, or their grandkid is the cutest, right? And and some parents and grandparents think that their kids can do no wrong, even though everyone around them knows they're doing wrong all the time, right? Right? And 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 my kids don't do anything wrong, but um, <laughs> only kidding. But the idea here is that this is more about how God saw Moses than how his parents saw Moses. Even before he was born, God had a plan. That He would lead His people out of Egypt and back to the Promised Land and God, God has a plan for each one of us. There's a message in this for the early followers of Christ and of course that continues today in each one of us. Let me put it this way, God doesn't do anything without purpose. He doesn't waste time, He doesn't waste a word, He doesn't waste a miracle. He does everything perfect. He can't do it another way. He doesn't make mistakes. There is no random. Maybe you're discouraged in your faith today and you need that encouragement today because you're convinced that what God was doing in Moses could not be done in your life and I'm here to tell you in all seriousness, Moses was just an ordinary guy set into extraordinary circumstances in life. Maybe you need to hear this today, that that not only does God have a plan and a will for your life, and that's not just something that preachers say on Sundays to try to motivate people, because actually this isn't about self-motivation. Because if it were about self-motivation, then we wouldn't be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, which reminds us that We don't conjure up faith in our own doing, nor do we generate faith any more than we are born where we are born and live where we are born into. Let me talk a little bit about personal identity. You'll see where I'm going with this in a second. I think a lot of our struggle with personal identity, and by the way, we're living in a world that's filled with Personal identity crisis, okay? I think a lot of our struggle with personal identity, who I am, why am I here, comes from a misinformed view of God and His Word. And, and when your view of God is misinformed, I conclude that, that it changes your view of self. I'll give you a general example. If my identity, church, is found solely in what I look like or what I do, like where I work or what I look like or what I do or what I perceive myself to do or what I have, for that matter, well, then if I don't get those things or don't have those things or don't have a right to those things, well, then I cannot be who I am. Think about it for a second. If what we are, in what we look like or have, is our identity, and if we believe that's our identity, then we are truly misunderstanding what the Bible makes clear, and that is that we were born in the image of God, created by Him, as image bearers, which means so much more than what we have or what we look like or what we do. I believe personal identity had to have been a struggle for Moses. At times, I'm sure he felt like an outsider, both as a Hebrew and growing up as an adopted child in the palace. Yet God would use his role and his status and his heritage and his education and his background even His blessings and His deepest wounds for His glory, for God's glory. And I believe God is doing that in each one of us. That God is going to use the context for which you were born into for His purposes. How can I say that? Well, here is an example of it. That that God's going to use your heritage, your education your context for His glory. That He is already doing it. That God is going to use your story for His story. Did you notice that the writer of Hebrews specifically states, by faith when Moses was born? You see that? Someone say yes. Now one could say that it simply is stating he was born into a believing parents, home, and, and they by faith were entrusting him to God. And that wouldn't be inaccurate. It's actually true. But I want to say there is a message about faith in the way it's worded. It, in that faith is something that, again, God does. We do not generate faith any more than we can choose where we are born. And Moses didn't choose to be born in the time and a place where an edict was upon his life and yet the mercy and grace of God was evident. You put a baby in a reed basket and push him out on the river Nile and he gets discovered by, by Pharaoh's daughter. And, and she has compassion on this child. In fact, so much compassion she, she goes and finds his mother and says, tell you what, I'll pay you, just read the story in Exodus chapter 2, I'll pay you to raise this child up, to to feed him and, and, and raise him up until the time he can come back into the palace, until I can adopt him into our family. So much compassion that she risks her own life from her own father's edict. You can put all this stuff together. This is not random. Here also is illustrated that faith is becoming like a child, a, a good picture of faith. That every day we receive this free gift of God and are grateful as children of God, chosen and loved to be image bearers, adopted as sons and daughters. All this is a picture of what God is doing, and what He has been doing since before you were born. As my family has been going through the adoption process, which we are, with a precious baby boy, I've got to tell you, it's Scripture texts like this that come alive that mean something very, very different understanding that he will grow up in a different context than I ever experienced, and yet I believe by faith, because I can't see what's on the other end, I believe by faith God is going to use his story for God's glory. I wasn't intending to rhyme, but I really liked that. Here we have even more insight into Moses' life. Look at verse 24 again, if you want to throw it back on the screen there. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we don't know if there was a lot of drama in the kingdom or not, uh, but what verse 24 points us to is what was happening in Moses' heart. So we don't really know what was happening on the outside, although there's no question, I'm sure there was this struggle and identity in Moses' life, no question about it. But notice... It tells us that by faith Moses chose to be identified as a Hebrew rather than an Egyptian choosing to suffer rather than have the opulence and the pleasures of Pharaoh's kingdom. Speaking to where his heart was at. Think about it. Exodus tells us that Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and affectionately nurtured by her as her own. It even says this in Acts 7.31. It tells us that he was given every luxury she had. That he had the prestige of being in the royal family. That he was educated in the Egyptian worldview. Moses was offered financial security in a comfortable life. And yet Moses chose to leave the riches for the wisdom of God. To, to leave the pleasures of sin, specifically speaking in Hebrews 11, for the righteousness of God. You see that it says... He chose to be rejected rather than the passing pleasures of sin. What are, what are pas- passing pleasures of sin? It's hard to say, actually, quickly. It speaks to sin's enjoyment. That's right, enjoyment. That, that sinful pleasures offer some happiness, some entertainment, some elation. That we are swayed and lured by sin's enticement for a short time. Let's not fool ourselves. We do it because we want to, because we desire it, right? But we have to be reminded that it's only for a moment. Passing pleasures. Passing pleasures means they cannot fulfill. In fact, rather than fulfill us, they leave us empty. Sin promises so much and follows through on so little. I don't know what you're struggling with in the moment, but we need to be encouraged. That God's mercy and grace is greater than what you're going through. But if you continue to go down the road you're going, you're going to be left empty. And we have a world that continues to seek that which is empty and then wonders why. Verse 26. Here's where Moses was at spiritually speaking he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures in Egypt for he was looking to the reward again consider Moses upbringing Moses was convinced that whatever he could have in the palace or whatever he might miss out on in the coming years if he had stayed in the palace paled in comparison to what the eternal reward would be with God as God led him. Let me just say, there are two parts to this in my own mind, both what we've been talking about living for the pleasures of now and how fleeting and narrow focus that is in comparison to our eternity. And then there's this other part that living in the moment overlooks the necessity for what God is doing generationally. Excuse me, generationally. That what we do influences others. That even our faith and belief system influences those we love, those we are raising, those we care for, our family and friends. Now, we're not responsible technically for someone's faith. If that's something that God does, then it's something that God does and not something that we can force upon anyone or ourselves for that matter. But let me just say this. Nothing we do goes without influence. In fact, the idea that I can just do whatever I want and it's not going to hurt anyone is one of the biggest lies in the world today. For everything we do has repercussions with those around us. And we're living in a world filled with the problem of sin. You know who's contingent upon your life of faith, church? In one sense, you could say, you know who's contingent upon the faith of our church? You know who's contingent upon the decisions you'll make today and tomorrow, and therefore next week and in the months to come? Your loved ones, your friends, your spouse, your kids. And God shows us in the life of Moses that what he was about to step into was going to have an incredible influence on generations to come. What if he would have taken root in Egypt? What if he would have enjoyed the passing pleasures of sin rather than... Respond to the call of God. In closing, look at verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. By the way, there was fear there, but just like last week as we talked about. He saw that God was more powerful than even what he was facing. For he endured as seeing Him who is invisible. That's why it takes faith. Moses saw that he was he was being held in the hands of a God he could not see and yet a power that was greater than what he could that that God's plan could be trusted e- even when the stakes were so high his life was on the line Why, why does it say he, he looked to the reproach of Christ? <laughs> Jesus wasn't on the scene yet. That would be over a thousand years later. Well, Moses is a type of Christ. His life, in fact, is a foretaste of Messiah who would come under an edict that all male children should be put to death. And ironically, if you will, Jesus, Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt to escape an edict. And beyond that. Of course, we could say many things, but Moses led the captives out of slavery just as Jesus led us out of our eternal and spiritual bondage in order that we would have life in His name. You know, we don't know what's ahead, whether it's in our own lives or for our church, but we place by faith what is ahead in the hands of the only one who knows. And with great with great courage and and faith, uh, we believe that God will see it through, no matter what's at stake, no matter what's ahead. And that is my prayer for both the church as I head into a sabbatical, but also for my life, and I pray it is for yours. So as we respond in faith, would you stand with me as I close in prayer? And ask the God of Moses, the God who we worship today, to lead and guide us into this next season. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that Jesus, you're the greater Moses. You did what he could not do. You fulfilled the law and the prophets. Not only did you uh, lead Israel to the promised land, you conquered sin and death. And you made a way back to the Father by your shed blood on the cross and your resurrection from the grave so that we too could be adopted sons and daughters of the King. What a picture! of the free gift of life you offer each one of us. Lord, I pray for each one of us here going through our own issues with identity, struggles and failures in life, hardships and the unknown. Lord, we have wounds too but I pray that we would have faith that you're going to use those for your glory. I pray for each one here who is in the midst of struggle and crisis. Maybe they don't know where to turn and what seems impossible that is ahead. Uh, They need hope and they need guidance. Lord, I pray for uh, those here who need encouragement and courage to face another day I I pray for those uh, here present who may have never known or have never received you Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior I pray for our community that Lord Jesus as you call us to go and represent you that you would You would bring revival to our community. And so, Lord, this we pray, entrusting our faith and our endeavors to You, knowing that You are faithful. And that is our hope. And so we pray with all hope that You would be glorified in our lives. that you would use even us in your holy name amen